bunch of VTech boys doing VTech shit. Cart? Formula TWO? Yep, this week it's part two of our Whatever Happened to series, and we're taking a look at some lesser known, defunct, or just plain forgotten racing series. Let's get it started. Another day. Another day, another dollar, another episode. Hello, world. That car sounds good. I missed that car. Me too, but you know what the good part is? What's that? I still have that muffler in my garage. Oh, you can keep that muffler. We can bring it back, baby. You can put it on the uh, the Acura. (laughs) (laughs) It's a V6. It's a V6. It is a V6. That would sound pretty good. Make it work. Anyways, a muffler top can make it work. Oh, absolutely. So the muffler we're talking about, I'll I'll dive into a quick story about that. Go, actually. You should. So that muffler is called the Barry White. Um, and the reason it's called Barry White is it's developed by a shop out in California, uh, as Tim is just throwing his water bottle around to microphones here. It's, it's developed by a shop out in California called Turbo Hoses and a gentleman named Hoover Chan. So that muffler came about. I had sent my car out there for Rensport back in 2018, blah, blah, blah. And we were working on on getting it tuned up. It's my old SC. And um, I said, Hoover, can you can you design a, a better muffler for this car? And long story short, he designed something. It went through multiple iterations, and it kind of took off. And from there, this muffler or this muffler style was nicknamed the Barry White because it was really, really smooth, deep, low um, exhaust tone. And so there's like he ended up making like I don't know six or seven different versions of them. There, there's probably upwards of ten of them floating around on a bunch of cars out there. But anyway, that's a very short story behind the Barry White muffler. I couldn't get enough of it. Oh, it sounds great. Sounds absolutely great, and he's done them for for a multitude of cars. And you have like a one of one, basically. I have a one. Each one is made, you know, fairly custom to you know, fairly custom, um, whatever uh, specification and stuff. And so mine has cookie cutter inserts to to replicate the old Porsche 908, 906, 910, whatever look and stuff. So it's really cool. Sounds yeah. great. Makes really good power, too. Um, but that's the Barry White, and that is the clip that you hear in our intro there. Did you notice it actually in the video I, that, that we just made? Yes, I did. Well, I, well, we filmed it, like, what, six months ago? Right. But I just uh, threw it together. Uh, it was the car that uh, is being sold, right? No, so that muffler was on my old green car. No, I'm saying, like, it's the, the film is for the car that's being sold. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, it is. But that muffler is in, very, very briefly, in a uh, intro shot. It makes a li- yeah, it makes a little... Um, Look up uh, Tim Look. Shoots Cars on YouTube, and you'll find the newest video of uh, Etna Blue, or Etna, Etna as Blue. you call it. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to figure, I was like, you know what, car's going to get sold soon, so I may as well make, yeah. uh, so we plan to film more with this car, but, you know, schedules got in the way and all that, so and we didn't I got get impulsive, and then yeah. I said, bye. You're exactly. So I chose to edit what we had into a nice little short, which yeah. I think turned out kind of cool, so. I, I think it came out great. I, um, so. Yeah. That, muff, that muffler will will live again on another car mm-hmm. in another film mm-hmm. with more sound clips to come. Yeah. Absolutely. Excited. Cool. So this week, well, first off, before we dive in, how uh, are you? Very how nice. How is life? Nice What's going little on? backtrack there. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I know. You know, it's funny. I've always had very toned legs. I'm going somewhere with this. Um, and I think my <laughs> left leg, just being on 76 back and forth here, has gotten a bit more toned than, than the right leg because of the, the clutch in my car and the traffic on 76 oh, 100%. back and forth. And um, for, for our lovely listeners, some quick background. Tim daily drives a stick. I do, like, yes. Like, with, uh, like a gentleman. Say WRX with a particularly heavy clutch, if I'm yep. being honest. 
Yes. Um, but apart from the usual traffic, it's a nice day, you know, and I went to go to the Cars and Coffee this morning, the, uh-huh. the big event by us, but I didn't have a, a ton of time. You right. know, I had maybe an hour or so. I left. I got two miles from the exit uh, for like off the highway for the event, and it was backed up, uh, and it was going to be a 15-minute wait just from the highway to the parking lot for this event. So no I dice. said... I think it's gotten too big. I said, you know what? It's May 7th. We have a whole season of Cars and Coffees. So I just took off and came back home and went for a run and did some uh, errands that and some podcast in- I think that's an infinitely more productive morning. But that's yeah. why. Because, you know, like opinion. it's... Look, we're going to see all these cars anyway throughout the year at Cars yep. and Coffees. So, you know, it's early... I came home and just was productive instead. But yeah. uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, I got no complaints. I'm. Uh, uh, we we are actually we're filming this just a, a few hours before the Miami GP. So filming? No, filming recording before <laughs> the Miami GP. So no recap. Uh, we'll do a recap next time around. Yeah. Uh, but I'm actually really excited for that race because uh, mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. Leclerc doing Leclerc things and. Being in his car in Q3, which brought out the red flag with a minute and a half it's to the go. same corner as practice, too. Same corner as practice. And you hear him. He's like, I am stupid. Yeah. Just, I am stupid. I am stupid. Oh, guys. But, yeah, I mean, it should be interesting. I mean, you have Checo and Alonso yeah. on the front row. I'm looking forward to this first few corners until Max catches First up. couple laps will be spicy, but overtakes are going to be tricky because, just like Baku, they shortened the DRS zones. So, I don't know what's right. going to happen. So it's going to be interesting because you have Max now trying to get around multiple competitive cars. Fast cars, yeah. Fast cars. I mean, he's going to have to get around Alonso. Mm-hmm. That should be pretty interesting. And oh, yeah. He's going to have to get around Checo, which I'm really excited for. I feel like, of course, in reality, it's probably going to be a really easy pass. Um, but I hope not. It wasn't in Baku. It wasn't in Baku. No, he had damage, right. though. Yes, also true. In the sprint? I forget. Right. But yeah, it, it runs together. should be a good one. So, I mean... Yeah. We're all hoping and praying for Checo v. Max yeah. season, you know? I don't think... It, well, if Checo gets a good lead and a good gap, it might be like last week. Yeah. Maybe not. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. We'll see. We'll yeah. be good. Yeah. So. Well, we're, we are talking about racing. We are talking about racing. You're very right. So why don't we keep going on this whole trend of racing? Yes. Racing cars. We like cars. Oh, we covered that already. But... What we're talking about this week are some racing series that are either non-existent uh, or, or, you know, no longer around, have evolved, or or maybe just a little bit lesser known. Esoteric. Esoteric racing series. So, I'm Thoris. Yes, absolutely. So, Tim, I'm actually going to kick it to you to, to kick this oh, off. Oh, right to me. Yeah. Well, it's great because I have my notes right here. I have my laptop this time. Yeah, let's do it. Remembering things. I'm a podcaster. So... I was looking up uh, Julian Palmer, who is a commentator mm-hmm. and a damn good one, if yes, I don't say is. so myself. Yes, he, he is, is fabulous on the F1 TV coverage. And I just wanted to go back because he did drive for Renault for a couple of years. It wasn't the most fruitful F1 career, but, you know, he got some points. And, and I went into his history, and I know his dad, Jonathan Palmer, I, I believe owns Brands Hatch in England. And I looked through Julian Palmer's results, and I noticed that he drove in a series that I had heard of, but I haven't, I've never watched. It's Formula 2, but not the numeral 2. It's T-W-O. Oh, okay. Uh, FIA Formula 2. Uh, I will call the current F2. I'll, I'll just say it's F2, but I'll right. call this Formula 2. So at the time, they were, we're going back, you know, uh, way back in the day. Uh, well, not that far back, but uh, uh, F1, uh, F2 was formerly called GP, GP2, as in Grand Prix 2. 
and F3 and was, was GP3. And it was fairly short-lived, wasn't it? No, it's it's still the same series. It's GP, now called F2. Right, but I'm saying it was branded as GP2. It was, For like 10, 12 yeah, years. Interesting. Yeah, so it, you know, it's obviously that was uh, what is currently known as F2, which if you're not watching F2, you should. It's a great series. Great racing. Much better racing than F1 right now. Uh, but thanks, Bernie, for calling it randomly GP2 and 3. I, I never liked it, but it is what it is. The problem with F2 and formerly GP2 is that it costs a lot to race in it. And I mean, if your father is, or if your parents are filthy rich, or if you're filthy rich, you can race in it. But, you know, most folks need a lot of sponsorship or a tremendous sacrifice to be in F2. So in 2009, uh, Formula 2, TWO, was established to make a less expensive proving ground for F1 hopefuls, which I'll get to why the Julian Palmer factors in in a bit. But effectively, it was a revival of European Formula 2, which uh, ran from 1967 yep. to 84. That also was spelled T-W-O, not the numeral 2. Some famous champions of that series include uh, Jackie X, oh. Clay Regazzoni, yes. uh, Ronnie Peterson, the only... Posthumous? No, I'm sorry. That was not Ronnie Peterson. That was who was the only posthumous F1 champion? That was I see his face in my head. He's Austrian guy. I don't actually know. Pause. You got me on this. <laughs> Pause for a sec. <laughs> we have to look that one I, up. That's I, I have to. know. I did not know there was actually a. I can see his. I can see his face. It's burned into my brain. He's a great driver. Joachim Rint. Oh, Jochen okay. Rint. I always confuse those two. I did not realize that. Yes, That's interesting. Huh. Rint was not an F2, but uh, Ronnie Peterson was. Yes, uh, was. Rene uh, Arnoux. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jonathan Palmer, who mm-hmm. is, again, the father of Julian Palmer. So the ownership, um, effectively, and the operation and running of the 09 revival of Formula 2 was given to a company owned by Jonathan Palmer, who was, you know, the, I believe, the last champion of the original Formula 2. It was given to him and his company to run it. And the car is very cool. It's a spec series, so it's almost like the Formula W series I've had recently, whereas yeah. all the cars are the same. You know, they can change setup and whatnot. Uh, they were designed by Williams Grand Prix Engineering mm. and by Patrick Head, everyone's uh, favorite cantankerous hothead uh, TD for, at the time, the Williams F1 team. Yep. Lots of stories about how he's a very spicy person, if you happen to meet him or get on his bad side. It was called the uh, JPH1 for Jonathan Palmer and Patrick Head, the number one. Cool. Yeah, for a great car. Uh, about the same lap times as a Formula Renault 3.5, mm-hmm. uh, which has zero context, but essentially it's about the same as a GP2 car of the same era, probably a bit slower than that, but still in the same realm. Yeah. It had ground-effect tunnels, much like the current F1 cars, to make it easier to overtake, so it has a lot of that initial, or what the current F1 cars are, but back then, they had kind of, I guess, tried the idea back then, and it seemed to work, because the, the, the racing, I think, was, was pretty good. I didn't watch a ton of footage of it, but it seemed to be pretty interesting. And it, it allowed them to follow a little bit closer, yeah. less less mm-hmm. dirty air effect and stuff, like was, like you're saying, what happened with the 2022 regulations. Exactly, oh, okay. exactly, cool. yeah, yeah. And it had a 400 horsepower, 1.8 turbo 4, made by Audi and developed by Mountain, which is a famous tuner and car. Yes. It's almost like a, a, a Cosworth, if yeah. you will, yeah. S- similar to that. And uh, it had 10, 10 instances of push to pass per race, which was an overboost function. Yep. Which I think should still be the norm in F1 because it gives you strategy. You can use it when you need to. Uh, but that's a whole tangent that we, won't, that we will not go on today. 
And uh, the power was bumped a bit as a baseline and for the push to pass over the several years it ran. Mm-hmm. Sounds kind of nice. Um, it had a noble mission, but it only ran for four seasons. And that's it. That's it. Huh. That's it. Uh, and now its champions, uh, which I can name them all here because it's only four or four of them. Uh, Andy Suchek, who most recently raced in the Blancpain GT series. We have Dean Stoneman, who went on to GP3, GP2, and then did kind of a GT car career. We had Mirko Bortolotti, I think his name is, who enjoyed a very long and still racing in GT cars. And Luciano Bacheta, who also ended up in GT cars, but went kind of quiet in the mid-2010s. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> one, I mean, this is I don't like to bring this up, but it's notable for the, the series history. One of the darker points is, uh, and it wasn't the fault of the car, or the org, but just one of those things that happens. Uh, Henry Surtees, the son of John Surtees, yes. was killed racing in the series when a wheel from a different car that crashed ahead of him sort of came onto the track, you know, hit him in the head, unfortunately. Yeah. That's kind of how it goes. It's an awful thing. You know, we, obviously, I don't like to bring that up, but it's important to give context for why the series may have I mean, not have gone as well as they wanted it to. And I do remember that happening, more so for the name. Um, yeah. I mean, Surtees, obviously, a, a very, very mm-hmm. well-known name in the series, but I remember sure. when that happened. And I wonder, um, and what year, what year did that happen? I'm trying 09. To, that was 09. That was the first year that this series right. ran. It's interesting to think about that, and how long did it take to implement the Halo? Well, it's funny you bring that up because uh, one of the legacies uh, that uh, you know lived on through Henry is the uh, stronger wheel tethers to keep wheels on the cars, but yep. also the FIA um, simulated several crashes when they were making the Halo, and one of the more key, well, one of the big crashes that they that they went through over and over again was that crash with the Surtees. Yep. And they said that, you know, with the halo that we've just made, it would have saved his life. Right. So, unfortunately, it's retrospect, uh, but th- uh, his legacy lives on in much better safety mm-hmm. for not just F1, but F2, F3, a ton of racing cars. So, right. that's it's good that we that we got that out of that incident. Right. Um, but, effectively, uh, that's you know, that was among many reasons why it folded. Well, not many, because I couldn't find that much information. I think that perhaps the field kind of got kind of thin towards mm-hmm. the end of it, and it just wasn't achieving what they wanted it to. Um, and uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, at the time, the GP2 series uh, was really hotting up in that era. So the GP2 began to put asses in the seats, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this series kind of was not doing that. So it started off well enough, but then some things happened. And as it happens with new series, it kind of kind of goes away. The only person out of uh, who raced in this series to make it to F1 was Julian Palmer, mm. son of the owner, so to yes. speak. But it wasn't just nepotism. I think, obviously, he... Went on to GP2, and he spent several years that had proved himself, and I believe he was sort of sponsored. Um, but, uh, yeah, he went on to F1 for a couple of years. Uh, pardon me for one second, because I really have to shout someone out um, who uh, sort of gave me a bit of context here. That is Jacob Bosley on YouTube. He has a great five- or six-minute video on this series of it for all four years. So shout-out to that if you want to learn more. Nice. It's a great video. It's Jacob B-O-S-L-E-Y. Um, so that's all that I had on Formula 2 T-W-O. T-W-O. It's interesting. There's so many, and it's funny, you read um, you read like bios of drivers, even now, you know, past and even over the last five years, and there's so many stepping stones up to F1. It's Tons. interesting. Like you can map it out, and you they start in 
Formula Renault, Formula mm-hmm. Renault 3000, 3005, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. There's, there's less now. There's, there's a little there bit less But there were more now. several years ago, yeah. Right, right. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting how many of those um, series they could, they could have gone through or different ways in and stuff. And to your point, yeah, there, there's a little bit less paths now. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. And even to see the difference in those different cars, yeah. you know, um, you know some, I think some are, are spec series. Some are have a little bit more leeway. But um, that'd be a that'd be a fun car to find for sale. Yeah, yeah, like a little Formula Three Thousand or something. They're they're yeah. out there and stuff. You can still see them. There's actually a privateer, well, all privateer F3 series based in California. So if you're super rich, you Get can buy out. an F3 car. Huh? Yeah, I think they run it to Laguna Seca and yeah. other tracks around there. So if you know, if we hit a lottery. We'll go out there and do some F3 driving. I am all in on that. <laughs> Love it. Well, hopefully that gives you a nice little insight into an interesting but ultimately defunct uh, series that ran for four years. I actually like Formula TWO a little bit better than Formula 2. It's I catchy. think it's, it's, it's edgy. Yeah, it's it, it makes you pronounce the two. You it's really on it. Formula 2. Two. Now we're getting, now we're improving. Not well, but we're improving. No, we're improving. No. Let's stick to cars. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of cars, um, I want to discuss... Speaking this. of cars on a car podcast. I want to I talk about a series that I remember from my childhood. I mean, we're you know, a few episodes into this, and mm-hmm. by now, if you're listening, you know we, we love to lean into nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, me especially. And so that series, it starts, uh, it started back, it's, it's originally an SCCA series, and then when it got big... Um, it was picked up by Speed Vision, which I remember growing up was pretty much the best damn channel, save for Nickelodeon, for me. Well, Cartoon and Network. Nick, you know what? I wasn't much of a Cartoon Network guy. I was more Nick. I was, that sucks. I was Camp Nick. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, that sucks. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> but no, so the, the I series... I trying to say the, that, but... The series was Speed Vision World Challenge, and it was honest to God some of the best racing back in the day. And so... The series still does exist today. It's mm-hmm. evolved quite a few times. It evolved from an SCCA series. Then it was picked up by Speed Vision. Um, so like the, the, the channel ran it or it was sponsored The channel picked it up as a big sponsor. Oh, um, they okay. picked up TV broadcasts and naming rights, Got interestingly it. enough. It was Got an it. SCCA series. 1999 mm-hmm. was the 10th season, and mm-hmm. that was the first year that Speed Vision picked it up. Yeah. Um, and they picked up broadcasts and naming rights. And so basically, it was two classes. There was GT and there was TC. So, you know, GT and then touring car. Yep. TC was, you had a variety of cars, but I remember some of the big ones. Um, Real time racing was running Acuras back then, first Integras. Oh. And then I believe they ran RSXs. And then I think they evolved uh, eventually into TSXs. Oh, man. Um, I, I so, recall the images now in my head. I think. Right. Come back, that, that white and orange, um, mm-hmm. white and orange livery. And they used to run against. Um, BMW, specifically the 328s, um, Turner Motorsports, you know, blue and yellow. They're, yeah, sure. they're still running in, mm-hmm. in IMSA these days. So they yep. remember they used to run Bill, Bill, um, Bill Oberlin. I yeah. believe used to drive um, drive those cars back in the day. And they those battles were really good on-track racing. And then in the mm-hmm. GT class, you had Vipers, you had 911s, you even had Supras and stuff. It was a really interesting and wide array of cars. Um, but what I remember specifically is, is watching for... Probably that that 2000s, maybe 2003, 2004-ish. Um, but the, like I said, the racing was it was really competitive. The real-time Acuras were always very dominant, but really, um, I want to say rough racing. But like there was some there was some rubbing his racing um, vibes going on, and super super competitive. And I remember specifically. Um, 
2000, Derek Bell was driving an Audi S4, and he was their in-car commentator. So during these races, they actually had him mic'd up. Yeah. And, you know, he's out there ripping around um, and commentating as he's driving. Just and talking. It's like, really yeah. cool. That, you know, they cut every, whatever, 10 so minutes. They, you know, we're off to Derek Bell now to give us his take from uh, from on the track. And it was it was just really interesting to... Uh, to hear him analyze in real time as he was driving. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was one of those memories that of course has stuck with me for a number of years. Um, and oftentimes I go back now with the, the joys of YouTube, you can go back and actually YouTube these races and stuff. And it, it was just, it was a blast to watch Yeah, and it evolved. It's funny. You said um, you mentioned a driver from, from GP two or from F TWO, mm-hmm. um, who's driving the Blank Pan GT Championship? That right. is what Speed Vision evolved into. That's our link. That's the link right there. Uh, it's just so. I mean, still, you know, these days, I I don't follow that as closely, but I know no. there's like a GT3 and a GT4 class. Cars yeah. are, you know, you get a lot. I think Cayman GT4s. You mm-hmm. get a lot of the AMGs and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, back in the day, that was Speed Vision World Challenge. And if you yeah. have an opportunity to go back and YouTube some of those races. They ran exclusively in U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, I believe, were support races for another series, which we'll talk about in a minute, CART, uh, and that's C-A-R-T. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember watching, they ran tracks such as Mossport, but they also ran a lot of uh, street tracks. I think they were like Detroit yep. um, back then. And Belle Isle. Belle Isle, yeah, mm. exactly, Belle yeah. Isle. Um, they used to run Lime Rock uh, back yep. in the day as well. Uh, but yeah, if you have a chance, just go on YouTube and search Speed Vision World Challenge. There's a ton of really, really cool, um, super competitive, really engaging uh, races. So it's I funny you mentioned that about that because, like, I recall I can't I can't find it now, of course, but I do remember seeing a video I, in which I think this was this series involving a Supra. Mm-hmm. And a different car racing really hard. Yes. And the super crashing. Yeah, sounds right. I forget which one. I'll have to look for it after we record. But uh, it's it sounds like that era, because I recall like a, a very VCR kind of aesthetic in the footage. Yeah, lines. So and yeah, pixels. yeah, line pixels and very fuzzy, fuzzy uh, video. Sixty-four so. bit joy. Now it's in a bobby, so I will find it at some point. But uh, yeah, that's a uh, that sounds fun, and it's funny because I actually do. Blancpain has essentially shifted to Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I recall seeing. Sometimes they'll have it on YouTube, like live streaming. And so, if I'm at work, I'll just put it up, like in the background. Uh, There's a couple, like Trees Van Thor, I think, is in that race. There's a bunch of names I know, but I can't think of right now. But uh, good racing, and um, there, it's just. I mean, again, it's for folks who don't know. There's a ton of racing on YouTube that just is on YouTube live. You can just watch it. So if you're ever on YouTube, just at like you know two o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, just give it a shot. Yeah, because it's probably on there somewhere. I was poking around some Australian um, touring cars the other day from mm. from like mid two thousands and stuff. You want to talk yeah. about rough racing? Yeah, those guys, you know, God, they don't give it a shit, man. No, they they are just plugging. They were I remember they were racing uh, Holden Holden Commodores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say it was um, Holden and Ford. Holden and Ford, yeah, Ford yeah. Mondeos. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, those dudes, they're just like that's NASCAR on another level. Plus, add in left and right turns and stuff. They are just, they're brutal. In the future, when we do more of like a niche series episode, we have to discuss the super modifieds in Australia, yeah. which are awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I think that might include the older muscle cars. I'll fit, well, well, I'll go in and take notes and actually have an informed opinion on this at some point in the future. But for right now, that's for sure. If you want to get our sync preview, 
Look up Super Modifieds uh, on YouTube. I have like clips clips playing in my head um, of them just driving. Yeah, big American muscle. Yeah, stuff on these tight, tight, twisty tracks. So it looks like so much fun. A lot of body roll. It's just fun. But it's funny because you think about, um, you know, we we oftentimes talk about the racing in Formula One, um, and even in endur- you know, endurance they they race a little bit harder because obviously mm-hmm. no no open wheel cars. But yep. um, as far as like roughness goes, some of these series that we're talking about, you know, Australian Touring Car, and then even back in the Speedvision World Challenge cars, these guys raced rough. Yeah, it's there fun was to watch. yeah, it's it's really fun, um, really really aggressive um, aggressive dudes, and it's funny like. There were some some solid drivers back in the day. I mean, like I said, you know, aside from Derek Bell, he I think was doing it at that point just for shits and giggles and yep. stuff, but still having fun. But you had guys like Hugh Plum and stuff, and you know, I should, I should look up where these guys went, but they were very successful. Yeah, Hugh Plum yeah. and Pierre Kleinberg, I believe, were the real time guys that were that were competitive and stuff. You had Bill Auberlin for mm-hmm. for Turner Motorsports and stuff, and every now and then you'd have Boris said would pop, would oh, pop yeah. up and stuff. Dude would just slot into any race series that would have them. I remember watching him in Trans Am yeah. back in the day, which, oh, that's another one we should discuss. We should. Like, yeah, early sure. 2000s Trans Am was fun too. Uh, and I mean, he popped up with NASCAR as one of those, you know, road course specialists mm-hmm. that, that would do two to three races a year. I think one of our instructors at Lime Rock one time was a Trans Am driver. Yeah, I remember that. I remember talking to one of them, I think. Yeah, he, I should have gotten his name. He dabbled a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet. So, Speed Vision World Challenge. And yeah, then... Good times. Speaking of, uh, I, th- I think I mentioned this, Speed Vision, I think, occasionally played support race to another series called CART. Yes. And once again, that is C-A-R-T. Probably this one, maybe, I'm sure listeners will will know a little bit better. Of a certain age, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so CART stood for Championship Auto Racing Teams. And what's interesting, it's a very long and intertwined history with IndyCar because they ultimately used to be... Um, they were kind of one and the same. Yeah. Part itself started in 1979, and OE's comprised of ovals, street courses, and road courses. And so it's split into Indy Racing League, if you remember the IRL, and CART. They split in 1996, um, and IRL went on to focus a little bit more on the ovals. So they intermixed some road courses, but CART, on the other hand, was ovals, was road courses, was street courses. I mean, one track that sticks out in my mind is they used to race in Cleveland and you say Cleveland where in the heck did they race at Cleveland well they raced at the fucking airport <laughs> they raced on the runways and they had this really interesting track set up where you know it wasn't particularly engaging but they'd go out there and they'd run these cars so on runways. they just run them on the on the runways and they kind of curve in between the runways and you know lots of hairpins when you hit the end and stuff I did not know that but it was wild. And so I remember picking this up, um, same thing, late, late 90s. Uh, and for me, the glory years was like 96 to 2000-ish. Um, and Mr. Chip Ganassi, I remember running the Target-branded um, mm. cart cars back then. Yep. And, stuff. and he had a number of dominating years with some drivers by the names of Jimmy Vassar, mm-hmm. Alex Zanardi yep. times two, and a fiery Colombian named Juan Pablo Montoya. One Bringing of it back abs- to our first oh, episode. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah. I remember JPM came in and won it in his rookie season. Mm-hmm. Yep. But he was, you know, was, um, Chip Ganassi was definitely one of the stalwarts of that. Uh, but there was a lot of other really, really cool teams and, and a number of drivers who got their starts there. I mean, Helio Castroneves used to drive yep. there. Um, guys like Paul Tracy, Dario Franchitti, uh, Tony Kanan. Yep. TK. Uh, got TK got his start there. 
um, Ray Hall and Fittipaldi. Right, there's some F1 champs yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting because it was it was Nigel Mansell '93. Holy crap! Look at yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So so Mansell was in there, and that was before the split to Kart. That was when it was mm-hmm. still um, IndyCar and stuff. But yeah, I mean Mansell Mansell was in there for a number of years. Mm. Uh, Mr. Mad Max Pappas uh, yep. drove from there, and then late, you know, I want to say 2002, 2003, 2004, Sebastian uh-huh. Bourdais. Bourdais was in it, yes. Uh, he was in it, yeah. So, I mean, I remember the, the quote That was unquote, before his F1 career. That was before his F1 career, yeah. right. And he, he went on to win a number of uh, consecutive championships in, in carts. Paul Tracy. Paul Tracy, yeah. Remember team... Um, there's two teams. There's team Cool Green mm-hmm. and stuff. And then there was uh, Players Forsyth. Yep. And stuff, and a driver by the name of Greg Moore, who um, I remember watching this on TV. Yeah, ooh, I watched yeah, the I replays mem- of it. Yeah, not I good. Watch- I remember watching it live at Fontana in nineteen. 19- that the one where he just went off a really high speed into a. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't let that up, folks. No, no, don't. But um, but that series ended up folding, um, folding essentially back into IndyCar. There's a lot. There was a lot of politics and mm-hmm. stuff of nature, uh, you know, things of that nature. Um, but this too, I just remember. The the races were more um, more common than not more common, but I think there was a few more on the calendar than F one. So back then, I think yep. there was like twenty something kart races, and there was only back then all sixteen or seventeen F one races, mm-hmm. and it was great because I mean they were also on Sundays, but they were in the afternoon, being largely it was largely U S based. There was a I think they held um, races in Brazil, they held races in Japan on a, on a Super Oval there, um, but it was largely U S races. So it's like it was F one in the morning. And then, you know, a little bit of an afternoon break. And then the afternoon, I would watch cart. Kind of like now with IndyCar. Right, exactly. It's now with IndyCar, um, which, of course, you know, is what it folded back into. Um, But it was also, you know, like Speed Vision is really good racing, you know, open Mm -hmm. wheel. But a lot of um, a lot of really high caliber drivers passed through. You know, and we're racing yep. in a one time, and like I said, you had three halls, you had the Fittipaldi's, Zanardi, you know, came in and got his start there. Um, JPM as well before transitioning over to Formula One. You know, I think it was 04, 05 and having a yeah. pretty decent F1 career. Did pretty good for himself. Yeah. Yeah. But just another staple of childhood that, you know, came out, had a few good glory years, folded back into IndyCar. And we know nowadays, you know, the racing with IndyCar is really, really good. It's tremendous. I say yeah, maybe a little better than F one. I wouldn't call it a little better. I call it better. Point blank, a lot better. I was actually watching some clips from uh, what was last week in Barber Barber yeah. Motorsports mm-hmm. Park. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean these guys just yeah, same thing. No, no fear. No, no. no they, fear. I mean it's these cars like you know they, I think they're more pliable. Yes, and they just don't have that same downforce issue. They can follow. I mean they can follow closely, but they have. The, the tires do go off. Yeah. But as far as I understand it, it's not as hard to follow from a driving perspective. Interesting. Okay. So, I mean, I could be wrong with that, but I think that overall it's easier to just to follow. But the, again, the tires, do get, they get pretty chewed up. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, that was that was a, a fond memory of, of growing up was watching cart. I mean, some of those tracks, like I mentioned, Cleveland Airport was one. Mm. Um, they ran Long Beach back then. I remember watching oh, yeah. Long Beach. Um, great, sir. Uh, Australia, Surfer's Paradise. Remember, not Albert Park. They were that global? They wow. were that global, yeah. So, like I say, it was mostly U.S.-based, but there was, I want to say, five or six that, yeah. that stretched out. I remember Surfer's Paradise was one. Uh, like I said, they did race in Brazil. They raced in an oval in Japan. I can't remember. I think it was Fuji or something like that. Maybe. Fuji doesn't have an oval. No. Oh, it was, I, Is it, it Motegi? No. Motegi, yes. Is that it? Twin Ring Motegi. Nice. nice. <laughs> I believe they they raced guess. there. Yeah, they raced there. 
Um, and they held the same thing. They raced in Detroit, Belle Isle. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did Laguna Seca. Uh, there was Houston was one. They used to race down in Miami, Miami Homestead. Yep. Uh, but yeah, also really, really good racing series that very much enjoyed. And like I said, there's a lot of drivers that started there and have gone on to, you know, various and other various other series and have had continued success. I mean, guys like TK is still raised TK yeah. and, and Helio Castroneves, I believe are still racing mm-hmm. IndyCar, whether it's not the full season, but they're, you know, there's, they're still doing their Indy 500 appearances and whatnot. And yeah. Borday, I think went on to have a, a pretty successful uh, endurance racing career. He did. Yeah. And still does, I think. Still does. Yeah. yeah. And if, uh, when this comes out, I think it'll be just about time for the Grand Prix of Indy. So not the, uh, 500, but the road course. Uh, this this will be this coming weekend, which is going to be the race will be on uh, May 13th. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Good track too. I gotta watch though that road course. It, so it's, it's funny. Speaking of the Indy road course, I saw a cool little little tidbit yesterday during mm-hmm. F1 qualifying. You know, Fernando Alonso has not started in the top five in the U.S. since Indianapolis 2007. Wow. Best driver now. Yikes. So speaking of Indy road courses, you know that was a short lived. But well, still good race. History there is not that great, yeah. No, um, no. I remember talking, what was do you remember the the Oh uh, the incident. The yeah. tire fiasco? Yeah, it was the Bridgestone runners or was it the uh the Michelin runners who pulled I off? For, I forget which. I one of them this there was O five. This was something like that. Yeah. It was, v, it was V10s. It was O five or O six, and there was that was back when, yes, there was Michelin and yeah. Bridgestone were the two tire suppliers, and there were some issues. They were seeing some I think high degradation and and, and some on the oval on the oval with, with one of the tires and one of the tire manufacturers pulled out and stuff and the teams yeah. using their their tires ended up having to pull out and I think it was like six cars ended up starting that race yeah something like that well it's funny because Noreen Kartikayan who drove for HRT mm-hmm. in 2010 through 2012 ish uh, or 2011 I forget but he got a podium for Jordan at that yeah. race which is I was like really I mean. Yeah. Not to insult the guy, but it's you know it's certainly surprising <laughs> seeing it on his page on Wikipedia. Like, oh my god, this guy got a podium! Yeah, absolutely. So, cart, cart back in the day. It, same thing. Go on YouTube and check out some of those those videos of uh, of the glory days, the Zanardis, the JPMs, and uh, Chip Ganassi back when he was younger and wiser. Oh, maybe he didn't get a podium. Why did I? Why did I think that? I, I swore. Oh, he, he must have gotten points in that race. That yeah. must be it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Point still stands. Ah, point still stands. Yeah, that's right. Fourth place. Yeah. Well, shifting away from racing, let's, uh, let's shift over to our Bring a Trailer Auction Madness of the let's Week. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, boy. All right. The so first, we are... <laughs> we're going with the first tab here on, yeah, on the screen? Yeah, yeah. So we, we're this staring is, uh, at a modified 61-mile 2021 Toyota Land Cruiser URJ200 Heritage Edition. Say that six times fast. Don't no, you dare. I'm not. Uh, so this is Talk actually... One of my picks. I have two. Over, I have two Overland picks this week, and uh, this is just. I mean, because when I see an Overland bill, I get excited because it's one of my goals long term is to get a car that I or a house on wheels to drive around the uh, the Southwest and stuff and get, get into all sorts of hijinks. But uh, yeah, if you let me just pull this up myself, that way I can sort of remember because I don't have any notes on the cars itself, which I probably should have. But I, I, I admittedly don't know a ton about um, yeah. about the overlanding world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really cool, but I just I, my eyes just locked in on a certain suspension component 
called Old Man Emu. Yeah, and I love it. Pretty common. Yeah, they make that. They also, they, I think they, make, they have like recovery stuff, like so like winches, winches and stuff, that sort of like thing. That, yeah. So it was uh, built by uh, uh, Maltec, and then a longer German word uh, in Germany. <laughs> uh, so it's actually it's built very nicely. It's got a yeah. whole custom. So they they sawed off the back of it or the the body at least and attached this big sort of shell. With things like a sink, a jet boil stove, a water heater, a cabin heater, a power pour, you know, of course, onboard power too, because you have to have that. Um, and it's super modified for off-road. Like the, like the back of it kind of curves in to help your departure angle if you're actually off-roading, which is kind of cool. Kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Dakar rally support yeah. vehicle, or even something they would race in Dakar. Actually, just a bunch of like parts in the back, which yeah. which I'm sure it could double as that. But in this case, it's been modified. It's got that like flip up kind of kind of roof, and it, yeah, yeah, it's got a flip up tent, and it's even got solar, solar panels. panels on it. Yeah, yeah, and all of this looks. I mean, not just that, but as we said, it's got um, an outdoor shower, a bunch of other stuff for like off roading and living, but also just off roading point blank. It's got like you know the differentials, a suspension kit, a, a huge winch, a snorkel, all this all yeah. this super fun stuff. It's really cool. It's a great it's a great thing, and I would love to get something like this, but unfortunately. It was bid to, so it didn't actually sell, for $181,000, which, I mean, that could still buy you a, a decent little house somewhere, not necessarily in Philly, but, you know. buy you a house in Philly, That's actually, true, actually, yeah. you're right, you can. But, um, so it didn't sell, and someone in the comments, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, was like, uh, told you they'd want closer to 300 k and there's a forum link that was posted, like, the day after it didn't sell, on Bring a Trailer, and they want effectively, if I could find the price, where is this listed? Here we go, two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. So not quite twice as much as a bid to, but effectively a hundred thousand dollars over than that. And at that point, just buy a house. Just like yeah. if you want to roam around Arizona, buy a house in Arizona. Like I just, I don't know. It's it's a bit silly, or build your own. There's that too, but. Um, yeah, it's kind of a cool vehicle, but I even if I happen to win a lottery tomorrow, I would not pay that kind of money for it. No, I'm with you there. And it's interesting because sometimes I'll bring a trailer. Like if you'll see, you know, highest bidder is relatively close to the reserve. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll they'll try and make a deal, but um, something tells me this thing is still probably out there for you know 275k. And yeah, whatever. Then some. Um, yeah, I mean, a hundred thousand off. That's you're probably. There, there's no coming to the table with a deal. No, I wouldn't do it. But I mean, then again, two hundred seventy-five thousand. Ask how much did it cost to build this thing? Probably somewhere up there. Probably yeah. somewhere north of, probably close to the the bid to. Sure, but one hundred fifty. You, know, you can you can buy a car like that in this country and have a builder over here do one for probably less. I mean, I've seen like you know the Ford E Series vans yeah. get built up with four with you know four by four and all that Sprinter guys. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's more of my take. But uh, yeah, no, I would not pay for that that kind of money for one because I just want a house instead. Yeah, buy a house and buy a car that you can go off or buy a plane ticket and well, an Airbnb. One car that did sell for uh, a much more reasonable price. Yes, is the modified 2009 Porsche Cayenne GTS for 31.5. I'm so pleased to see that these Cayennes are making a comeback in the form of overlanding and off-roading builds. It has been very big the last probably three to four years. Um, this platform has become an absolute favorite for everyone. I mean, they've yeah. been doing them since they came out, but I think 
the trend has probably really heated up over the last few years and stuff. Yeah, there's a few models that they say, you know, have some engine issues, which yep. any car would after a certain age, but they've been, you know, I mean, I don't want to speak at a turn because I don't have one and I'm not super into it, but they've been pretty bulletproof. And this one is built up with big 18-inch, you know, OZ white rally wheels mm-hmm. with the uh, all-terrain tires, the KC lamps, the lift kit, the the bash plates, you know, the modified bumpers. Yep. Uh, spare, you know, tire and gas tanks on the roof, and the iconic Martini Racing Wrap, which, if I bought this car as cool as it is, I'd probably take it off, because it's a little too shouty for me, especially if I'm, like, spending a night, like, the night in the woods. Yeah. You know, it just comes off as, I don't know, if I'm having an overland slash spending some time in the woods alone at night, I don't want to shout that I have a very expensive car. That's so. fair. I mean, it's so... It, Probably the reason why I did it does have a little bit of that historical tie back to the, uh, I think it was 1978 was the East Africa Safari Rally mm. um, 911 SC that Porsche cool. campaigned. It's great. It's a great homage to it, but it's not it's loud. totally for me. Yeah, it's very, loud. very garish. Yeah. But uh, apart from that, I mean, there's no indication of what the paint's like beneath it, but it looks to be in pretty good shape. And for 31.5, yeah, I'd buy that. It's done. It's done really well. I mean, so it's funny as I'm scrolling through the pictures, you know, it seems to be mostly, um, mostly aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, in true. nature, I mean, the interior looks pretty well, pretty stock. Um, you wouldn't need much extra on this, really. No, you really. I mean, like you said, it's got the lift kit, it's got skid plates and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, it's really cool. I yeah, like it. Yeah, you may have to do some more for like you know building out. Maybe I'm not sure if it has power, like a big power bank in here, but that's yeah, something I would do for sure. But. But yeah, it's a cool truck, and now that I know that they sell for around that price, uh oh, it's got me thinking. Oh, I, no. I don't have the room for it right now, but maybe when I move out of the uh, Philly area, maybe I can buy one. Yeah, I think you should do it. I I'm might. here. To, I'm here to be the devil on your shoulder and Great. support all your shitty decisions. Perfect. Perfect. Decisions. That's what As I, need. I expect the same. That's from what you. I want. <laughs> That's what we all need. Um, what do you got for me? All right, so we're gonna start here. Um, Ed L. Great. Uh, okay. I'm glad you Go asked. Ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so Ed L. Um, Ed Levin was a very vocal um, member of the Bring a Trailer community for a number of years, and unfortunately, recently just um, just oh. passed. But he was a mark specialist for Lancia. Oh, and R.I.P. Ed. What's interesting is he first popped up, I think, in 2008. They said, and he, you know, anytime really any kind of launch, especially his his specialty was Fulvia's, and we'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he logged something like 16,000 comments over, wow. you know, over a 10 or 12-year span. Um, and he was just the authority on these cars. So um, if one came up and did a question about it, you would probably tag him. He was always, yeah, he was he was always, and he was always offering up, you know, his insights and, and mm-hmm. education. Yep. Um, he never bought or sold a single item on Bring a Trailer over these years, but he was extremely valuable to the community wow and he as i say his collection was rich in knowledge Mm -hmm. um not cars but this was his sole um this was his baby and it's a 1970 launch of fulvia factory looks so nice looks so nice and so what's interesting is the story behind fulvia is if you don't know much about 70s rallying is you know launcher was was big obviously everyone knows the group b delta integrales but even before that launcher was extremely competitive in rallying and and the fulvias were um were the hallmark of their um factory team back then Mm -hmm. and so i i didn't know a ton i did not know a ton about launches um i knew about like I said, the Delta Integrale and the Stratos, of 
you know, everyone knows the Stratus and the Integrales, but the lesser knowns were the Fulvias, and I learned more about them when my own dad picked one up. He has mm-hmm. a 1975, a blue uh, Fulvia, I think it's a Series 3, a 1.3. car. They're really cute-looking little, you know, Italian two-door um, sports cars. Yep. Uh, not particularly powerful, but no. I was behind him uh, like last year. Your your dad at one point. Yeah, and it, I mean, so he's he's not the quickest to begin with. Um, <laughs> and you combine that with a little ninety horsepower car like this. Hi, Serge. Um, and <laughs> hey, Dad, uh, I love you to death. Um, but everyone knows you you are more leisurely in your pace. That's um, fine. Nothing okay. wrong with that. We love him. nothing we love wrong him with for that. It. We love him for it. But yeah, I mean, um, really cool little cars. I mean. Me personally, you know, I you know I love 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 rallying, especially vintage rallying and yep. stuff. And this was a factory built um, HF Fanalone, which is basically their you know HF was their factory racing division, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was this was Ed L's baby, uh, and you know it it's now up. It's got about twenty four hours to go, no reserve for this. But uh, I hope this car goes for all the money and then some. It's currently at seventy five k, which is a bargain. Is that um, going towards like anyone with his family, or it just happens to be sold at this point? Uh, I don't know. I'm, uh, my guess is it's going. It's, my guess is it's going towards the estate and, yeah. and his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, I hope this car gets gets all the money and then some. Really yeah. beautiful, really well done, factory correct um, car. You can see the blue and yellow stripes down the hood. Mm-hmm. Where it was those, and then let's see, I'm looking for an engine shot here. The valve covers were also painted. You can see blue and yellow uh, was a cool. mark of the HF's yeah. um, HF factory cars. So if you're gonna have one of these, this is the one to have. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this thing is absolutely awesome. Well, Ed, rest easy. Yes. And this car will hopefully sell for lots of money because yes. it's super. It's, oh, it's a V4. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I forgot about that. But also, super lightweight cars. I mean, these cars weigh less than two thousand pounds, so you mm. don't need a ton. No. Um, you know, perfect example of a momentum car, as they call them. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, sweet. Love it. And then speaking of <laughs> speaking of real time racing, uh, I found this beautiful two thousand Acura Integra Type R here on on yeah. Trail this week. This has got a day to go, and it's at 11, 11, 750. Um, But I mean, I. Once again, I remember these growing up, and I always oh, yeah. thought they were cool. This body style is, is mm-hmm. so classic. And what's interesting is this one. It's I feel like it, it's it's tough to find an unfucked with Integra. Yeah, you know, this one, one isn't. It's, it's you know, well, it's got a couple mods, couple mods, but very tastefully done. Yeah, you know, um, yellow, which you don't see too many of them. Yellow with, no. with red Recaros inside. Yeah, which is the black cool. ones and the white ones sold here more than the yellow ones. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know that that famous famous VTEC, oh, that lovely red valve cover on the B series motor. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's funny. And until looking at this, I forgot what good power these cars made. And I know you can mod them to to high heaven, but you know factory 195 horsepower of a 1.8 liter, 130 pounds of torque. To get any of that power, you have to rev the nuts off it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> which is. Although that's that's what these engines sound best at. They oh, sound yeah. best at like eight thousand RPM and yeah. stuff. And it's great. And it's funny just because you know I, I was doing a little bit of digging and research this week for um, for Speed Vision, and it brought me right back to those Integras, and this thing popped up, and I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. bring it back. Where, one, where's Hugh Plum when you need him? <laughs> you know, it's when I first had my RSX Type S. The the day. That I reached the 1,000 mile break in point. I was driving through Livingston, New Jersey. And if you know, you know, I was, I, was, I was on Eisenhower Parkway 
and I was following a black Integra Type R just like this one. Mm-hmm. And he and I just went for it. It was like 8 a.m. Yeah. So just eight, a couple of 8,000 RPM Hondas going down this little quiet two-lane road. Bunch of VTEC boys doing VTEC oh, shit. It was so cool. I yeah. love these things. I do want to return one day to either an Integra or an RSX Type S as a project car. I think you will, and I think you should do it. Once Sweet. again, devil on the shoulder, do it. Make all the horrible financial choices. Down with the ship, but with cars. Down with the ship, with cars. I like that. That's yeah. a perfect ending. It's a perfect ending to the Yeah, episode. that's a good conclusion. I like that. I think we end it right here. I think we're good. Devil on the shoulder. Yes. Let's do it. Bye. Bye. Bye.